Hi, Marked listeners. We're planning some exciting things for the future of the podcast, so we want to hear from you. Take our fun survey and give us all of your opinions about Marked to enter for a chance to win a Lifeway Women backpack filled with Bible studies and other great resources for diving into God's Word. To take the survey, go to lifewaywomen.com slash podcast or click on the link in our show notes. We can't wait to hear from you. the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Hello, and welcome to the Mark Podcast. I am Elizabeth Hyman, and I am here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, Kelly. Hey, Elizabeth. It's so good to be back. Yes, it is. And today we are actually with another Elizabeth. That's right. Elizabeth Woodson. (laughs) So, Elizabeth, tell us about yourself and your ministry and just what life looks like for you these days. Yeah, I am, first off, super excited to be here with you guys. I appreciate the invitation and excited to have our conversation today is also always fun when I'm talking to somebody else who has the same name as I do. Yes. <laughs> so that's also fun for me. Um, but I am on staff at the Village Church in Farm Mound, Texas. Um, I serve on staff there as the Institute Director of Classes and Curriculum, which means that I oversee all of our Bible studies and all of our classes for our members and just helping our folks understand what it means to learn their Bible, learn theology, and learn about spiritual formation. So I teach classes, write curriculum, do some leader development, but really my heart and passion is helping people learn what it means to follow Jesus. Well, you you made that sound so like, this is what I do. Yeah. But it probably <laughs> is a lot more involved than that, too. Yeah. Because the Village Church is not just a little tiny church. So you guys, <laughs> I, I, I would venture to say, how many groups do you guys kind of have? Like, how many small yeah. groups would you even say? Oh, gosh. Um, we would have, well, we would, because this semester is kind of uh, special for us because we're having virtual groups. And so some of our folks sure. are in virtual and mm-hmm. some of our folks are in small groups and some of them are aren't but we probably have about a a thousand folks in our classes and our bible studies um and some of those folks are in groups and others are just linking up with some friends informally to go through those spaces yeah which is such a um i mean like when we talk about groups there are just all different kinds of groups and the way that they meet and how Mm -hmm. they meet and the curriculum they use and so it's really great when someone like you is on staff that's kind of helping form that and really giving guidance to that. So right. that's a, I think that's a really positive thing for a church. And I would encourage a lot of church leaders to consider, yeah. you know, being so intentional about what are your what are your people studying and are they studying good theology? I think that's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Elizabeth, it was so good. This past year you were at the Women's Leadership Forum and we loved having you there and you did a breakout session on working with younger generations because we know that's been a passion of yours as well. So, you know, 
when we talk and you talked specifically about millennials and i think there's still some misperceptions about millennials in general and that even people still think of them as teenagers but really older millennials are getting close to 40s so let's talk about like some of the important things for maybe boomers to realize about millennials as maybe because millennials are moving into positions of leadership so how can we work really well together and kind of passing that baton yeah, you know, it is funny because even when I use the word millennial, I always think of younger folks. And I'm like, yo, I'm at the higher end of that. And <laughs> I am not in my 20s. <laughs> yeah. um, and so just for our folks on, on the listen to the podcast, for someone to be millennial, sometimes there's a little bit of difference in how people define years. But generally, it's people who were born after 1981. Um, and so it's a generation that is characterized by a lot of key events. And so... You know, you have things like Columbine, um, the Columbine shootings, or you have 9-11. And so just what has been normative to a generation, like we haven't had a war um, in some sense where we were heavily involved. And I I hear a lot of older um, Christians talk about that dynamic and difference from them um, and what they've experienced. But then you have, to me, is one of the key is we're a highly um, technologically savvy generation. And so... Some of us were young enough to remember life before computers, um, but most of us have grown up on computers and grown up being able to engage on social media. Um, And so the dynamic of what that has created in terms of relational connectivity. Um, And so I'll kind of put a pin in there and talk about some other things too. But one other thing that you'll have that shows itself in the church is the family dynamics of a millennial generation. And so you will have uh, sometimes, not always, kids who are the product of divorce. Um, And so you have a generation that's getting married later. And many times it's connected to they saw um, that not work out with their parents. And so there's some fear around marriage. There's also a desire to kind of be really sure. Um, And so we see a millennial generation is getting married later. We also see dynamics with faith. And so they were watching their parents' faith and watching how their parents lived out um, their life in the church and saw some things not match up. And Mm -hmm. so you have a generation that has walked away from the church. And so um, the inconsistencies have made them question what it means to be Christian, what it means to walk out their faith authentically. Authenticity and transparency are two characteristics that are super important to a millennial generation, as well as like this idea of service. So how are we leaning into some of the issues we see in our culture? That it's not that we just learn truth about the Bible, that we should be applying that truth in um, our everyday lives. And so they're going to want that connection um, in a real powerful way. And so I think about some of the things that our country has walked through in the last year and the conversations I've had with other millennials about where the church is in those things and where they should be in those things. So some of those kind of like overview of, what I think distinguishes a millennial generation is just family dynamics, our connection to technology, and really how we think about our faith and how that relates to what our parents were or were not doing. You know, I'm curious, as someone that's in a different generation than the two of you, um, how would you, both you, both Elizabeths, how would you say the church has done well in the midst of the last year as far as displaying our faith and how have how do we need to do better? What are some things that you wish maybe could have done better i'd like to i'd like to hear that from both of you guys yeah i think the church has done really well on a local level from what i've seen and i've seen churches 
um, from around the country on a local level, really serving their people in their communities. Um, I I think maybe what doesn't get displayed as much and maybe we need to work on is taking that local community love and displaying it, in, especially in online places. I feel like that's really where we've dropped the ball is um, looking like the church to those outside, especially in online places, though I, I do know there's dynamics other places. But I do feel like I've seen churches from across the nation um, put the focus on our neighbors more and more and how we can love those people that are right around us. And I've seen a lot of people, a lot of churches serving other churches. Like we've we've had several, you know, um, natural disasters this year. Sure. <laughs> and I've seen churches yeah. rise up and be like, okay, we have beds, we have Wi-Fi, we have, you know, electricity <laughs> and just things like that. We have water. Um, and so I think at least from what I've seen, that gives me a ton of hope is like we're we're serving we're our feet on the ground in a lot of our local communities. But I think for me, what I've seen the most that has been disheartening is the way that that love is displayed online. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Elizabeth, if you would say something different yeah. that you've seen. I mean, I think I've seen some of the same things you have in just, you know, even with what we saw happen in Texas um, in the past few weeks with just a snowmageddon or Alaska, whatever people want to call it, um, is just, hey, we've got power. We have got water. Um, You know, just saw even through some stuff that the Village Church was able to do to just rally around the schools in our community to be able to just say, hey, we're here to serve locally. And so I think to me that has been consistent strength of the church is being able to, okay, kind of how do we meet the needs of people in our community and kind of just really tangible life, uh, basic life needs stuff. Um, You know, I think it gets more complicated because the issues that we have uh, walked through and are walking through to me are extremely complicated and the answers Mm -hmm. aren't easy. And so how do we live in this middle space with people who we don't agree with and having conversations about issues that are extremely polarizing, whether it's race or politics, and when it happens online and 140 characters, it just has not gone well for us collectively. I think that there's a witness that the world is seeing and we don't always show to be typing the in the same spirit of the gospel that we say we believe. Um, and that's a generalization. I think there's Christians who are doing a great job with that. But I feel mm-hmm. like that's an area of growth for us is how do we disciple our people? And I think that's the place I see the church in now realizing, OK, we might have a discipleship gap. Like there are some things our people don't know how to apply truth. They've heard every Sunday in the um, in our government or some of these harder issues that we see with different ethnicities and how we get along in a space of unity and harmony. And so to me, it is that space of leaning in. How do we do it in love in a really difficult, intense place? And sometimes the love has not been what's been characteristic of our actions in that place. Yeah, and I know we want to talk a little bit further about discipleship here in a little bit um, because we also know that's something that you're passionate about, and and I would agree that that's where it starts for our churches um, is in discipleship so that we can display that love and the fruit of the Spirit in general. Um, And so one other thing that we wanted to ask you about is, so there's a new generation on the scene, (laughs) the Gen Zers, um, and I actually mentor a Gen Zer, and... um, 
it was so funny because I told her that I had memories of life before the internet, and that just shocked her. She was just like, what? What do you mean? And I was like, I mean, the internet did not exist yet, like, in my home at that time of my life. And so um, that's something that they have not only grown up with the internet, but also with social media, which is a whole different beast um, in and of itself. But what are some characteristics of Gen Z that are important for older generations to know as we start to, like, reach them and, and start to lead them and pull them up alongside with us to start leading because they're they're entering adulthood the gen zers i don't know what the year cutoff is for that you might know that elizabeth um but they're starting to they're starting to come up and be in leadership roles so how can we what are some important things for us to know about them yeah you know they are uh 1996 so that is and again some, it goes a couple years in either direction. Right. Um, but 96 is what a lot of folks are saying is Gen Z starts with. And I would say the distinguishing characteristic is social media mm-hmm. and the kind of community that's created in that place. So first you have just, uh, I think, a, a dynamic and and what it's like <laughs> for people to have endless access to you online. Mm-hmm. Um, for you to be able to create a persona, um, the ideas of likes and shares and all these um, characteristics of people being able to affirm who you are on an online platform. And so when I think about a Gen Z uh, or Gen Z generation, I think about the dynamic of how they're being shaped about what it means to be valued um, what it means to like where they find their affirmation from. Um, and sometimes that can be in a special um, issues of mental illness. So like depression, anxiety, higher rates of that. And a, and a lot of studies have linked that to the dynamics of having a life that is constantly on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're texting and you're in a different room. You're in the same room as somebody and you're texting them instead of just talking to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the hard part of that, that side of social media. But then I also see a generation where diversity is huge because there are no boundaries. I'm able to engage and talk to people from all over the world, um, from all different walks of life. And so you will have conversations about, again, social issues that are important to where we're at right now in culture, whether that is race or whether that is the LGBTQ community. And so kind of they're seeing these conversations about sexuality happen with their friends, um, at their school, online. And so being able to engage that with the truth of the gospel, there is only one source of truth that we would say Mm -hmm. is Christians. Mm -hmm. And they live in a culture where there are multiple, where it's said to be multiple sources of truth. And so trying to deal with that reality of everybody's truth isn't the truth. There's only one source of truth that comes from God. And because there are so many different people that they're able to be in community with, that you see some of those dynamics that they're struggling to press through. Like, how do I reconcile the gospel and my faith with my friends in my classroom? Um, And maybe the different lifestyle choices that they're making. And so, but to me, the roots of all of that, most of it are in the social media community that they're able to be in pretty much constantly. Yeah. Do you ever see, it's it's interesting because I have two children, one born in 1991, one born in 1994, so only three years apart. But I would definitely say that my oldest, it really tend, he kind of leans towards the more millennial 
type of mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know characteristics that you see in the list or whatever and and Courtney tends to be more Gen Z in some ways but she is very um, very careful about social media almost like to the point of almost a rejection like she yeah. she told okay. me a couple months ago she was just like I'm deleting all this stuff. I just yeah. don't. So do we see that too yeah. in Gen Z? I mean, I kind of feel like that's part of it. Yeah, I've seen. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I've seen where a lot of um, Gen Zers are deleting all their old Instagram posts. Whereas like as a millennial, I got on Instagram. I was a full grown adult when I got on Instagram because <laughs> that's when it was in- invented. And um, and so I have like my first post from Instagram, I think is still on my Instagram page, but I've read <laughs> and seen where Gen Zers will delete all their old posts. They just have like the past week or so or the past month or whatever it is, you know. And so I do think they are kind of like starting to curate their lives a little bit more. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I don't know what the, if the motivation is the same for all of them. It could be more just like... um like Elizabeth was saying, identity and trying to figure out, but it could also be safety. I think some of them are realizing, oh, the internet is permanent yeah. and can be yeah. mean sometimes. And um, mm-hmm. so I think, yeah. yeah, there's probably lots of motivation for that. But uh, have you seen that as well, Elizabeth? Yeah, you know, I think with every generation, there's this ability to reflect upon the generation that had come has come before mm-hmm. and the ways in which their decisions have worked well for them and have not worked <laughs> well for them. And cancel culture is a real thing. Yeah, <laughs> cancel culture can be really vicious. And so you have this, um, I think, a, a Gen Z's ability to see and reflect on, I don't want that. <laughs> right. And I don't want that experience. And so choosing to interact with social media in a different way. So I do definitely see this reflective dynamic of being able to see from millennial or even um, parents who might fit into a boomer generation um, that they see something different than what they are wanting to happen in their own life. Yeah. Wow, that's really... uh, I've also heard, you guys, like, so I have a friend who does girls' ministry, and she's been talking a lot about Gen A, which Mm. is coming up behind gen z are you guys like hearing that or i haven't heard a ton yet Mm -mm. because they're not yet in my realm of like yeah uh, yeah i do you know what the cutoff is for gen z elizabeth like when they were Uh, last born the last ones (laughs) (laughs) i think it's 2012 okay yeah okay yeah so so and and let me just make sure like i because i'm just like i still love to learn about things like this because i'm like how are we going from a generation so quickly? But they say it's because of major life and world events. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it is just completely different. And I've even thought before, like, it almost seems like uh, millennials should, there should be a dividing That's line true. between mm-hmm. those that can remember <laughs> before the internet and those that can exactly. not remember I before agree. the internet. Um, because I think our lives change so much with just the invention of the internet. And like, I remember a time before I had a computer in my house, you know, mm-hmm. but people just a few years younger than me don't remember that at all. And so it is, it is interesting. Um, but yeah, I think it's just something that we're all just like, uh, maybe they'll get even shorter as it, continues on who knows i I wonder if there's like a a corona generation that's going to be just (laughs) completely separate from all the rest like these i've seen like videos of babies who were born during quarantine 
like going out into the world or like meeting new people and they're just like what in the world because their entire lives they've just yeah. lived in mm-hmm. with their parents in their home mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so it is kind of um, funny in a way but also you're just like what it what kind of effect is this going to have on this on these babies that have not or those that are like toddlers who have gone an entire year at home <laughs> i have a friend that her grandchild has not been out yeah. except to see grandparents wow. and the parents this right. entire time so she's like what does she, what is she gonna think yeah. that, that is a totally different <laughs> kind of aspect and i think just isolation in general right. yeah. and and gen yeah. z from what i've from what i've read gen z really tends to be more isolated anyway mm-hmm. so this has not like help that right (laughs) in the past year for sure well okay so elizabeth let's we talked about that so what are some things that maybe millennials and even gen zers need to know about older generations as they kind of step into leadership and they lead alongside an older generation and i can put myself in that category a little bit (laughs) i'm on the i'm on the very end of the boomers you know so you know, I'm not. A, I'm almost Gen X, but not quite. I'm right around that. Just yeah, kind I don't of know if there's up. a word for that. I know there's a. They call the ones that are on the cusp between Gen X and Millennial Zennials oh. with an X. <laughs> I could be an, <laughs> so I don't a know zoomer? what. Yeah, maybe a zoomer? Zoomer. Well, they call the, the Z's Zoomer sometimes. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So what do you think, Elizabeth? Yeah. How, how can that? How can our younger people respect what has come before them? Yeah, you know, I think respect is a, is probably a really good word to use for the perspective that millennials or even Gen Z need to use when interacting with older generations. We have access to a considerable amount of information. We are the Google generation. Mm-hmm. So I can Google knowledge, but I don't know how to use it. Yeah. <laughs> and so what um, the dynamic that can happen is a generation that has access to a lot of information but lacks wisdom and an older generation has wisdom. And so there is this, uh, sometimes again, you there is beauty in all generations. And so sometimes the shadows of the hard parts can come to the forefront for different folks. And so one shadow I would say is entitlement mm-hmm. um, and believing that I ought to have a certain leadership role or be able to do certain things because I just have the capability. And being in a generation that is willing to sit at the feet of those who've gone before and just learn to realize that there are things that come in a discipleship relationship that I can't get from just accessing information online. Um, And that's kind of like a broad assessment, but to me it is what I can glean from those who've gone before is immense amount of wisdom. Mm. Ministry, like there, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about a situation that happened early in my ministry journey and it was an experience that I was just like, look, I did not learn this in seminary. <laughs> I didn't learn how to handle this. Um, and you just learn to minister and care for people by ministering and caring for people. <laughs> yeah. And so the value of just experiences and stories and just, hey, you should think about this. You should think about this. Or this is what you could do. You can you only get that from people who've gone before. And so my biggest one is to realize they have for a millennial generation to realize an older generation as something that we need. And they might not go as quickly as we want them to or use the methods that we want them to, but that we would value that wisdom and and run to find it um, because it's it can be something that we in our generation lack. Well, and it goes yeah. both ways, too. Sure. I mean, for me, like yesterday, 
I had a couple of conversations with younger women and I was just writing in my journal this morning, just kind of as a reflection. And I just thought, I love the opportunities that I have to be around younger women um, and learn from them. And, you know, one of the young women that I mentor that's in seminary right now, like she texted me and she was like, hey, do you have time to talk tonight? And mm-hmm. I thought that that means a lot to me that she would reach out to me and mm-hmm. want to have that conversation. Um, and we just caught up on life and asking her about just how she's feeling about some different things and some struggles and, you know, even down to dating. And um, so there's a, there, there is that kind of, like, I think older women love it when w- younger women reach out to them, but we love it too. We love being able to be around younger women and saying, yeah, teach me too. Like, I want to know like how I can better serve you and your generation. I think it's both ways. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've even seen that in not necessarily a generational difference, but um, in roles at work where I will have done something before and somebody who has is new to the position is like, hey, have we ever done it this way? And you know, if we haven't, I'm like, no, that's great. Let's try it that way. Or if we have, sometimes I'm like, that could work. Last time it didn't. And here's why. (laughs) So I think just being willing to like, you know, hear that out and, and learn from others' mistakes too, as well Mm -hmm. as from their wisdom, um, because we've all made mistakes in whatever we're doing. And so it's like, hey, let me just keep you from making that same mistake that I did. Uh, I feel like that's a lot of like what I do in my <laughs> in my ministry. It's like, yeah, that didn't go well. Here's why. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we could figure out a different way together. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that's yeah. both the, ways are important. Yeah, yeah. And even the language. Like I had a, a supervisor one time, and it was a, as a male. And when I would mess up, it, it wasn't like a harsh kind of way that he you know would mm-hmm. talk to me about things. But his language was, "Let me coach you through this." Yeah, and. Yeah. And when I, you know, hearing those words, I was like, okay, I'll, I could be teachable with that yeah. language. I mean, I think teachable for any generation in any role is like one of the key characteristics of just mm-hmm. being wanted in a role. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like that is something that I'm always like, is this person teachable? Am I being teachable um, when somebody approaches me with something? Because I don't want to be the person that's like, no, we can never do it that way because I don't think it'll work or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so I think we can all learn from each other to just kind of open ourselves up to the wisdom and open ourselves up to the people that have done this before, but also open ourselves up to people who've never done it before because they may see something that we have no idea like, oh, I never thought of that, you know, because we can all kind of get in our ruts with everything. Yeah. So one of the things that we wanted to ask you about that we talked a little bit about earlier, but is um, we know you're passionate about discipleship. So tell us about the work that you do at the Village Church in regard to training and disciple makers. And then if there's any sort of like what what is important about that and how can our women that are listening kind of maybe take some of those principles and apply them in their own churches or in their own lives? Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, the importance to me when it comes to discipleship is really how do we help our people understand what they believe uh, and then live it out. And so to be able to give our folks the, the information and framework for scripture, for their faith, 
that helps them deal with the most complex and difficult problems that life is going to throw at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Long obedience in the same direction of just Mm -hmm. what does it mean to be faithful to the Lord, to find our heart's affections in him, that he is, Jesus is the better thing. Um, And that we will live and really believe that. And so when we're offered so many different options to choose different things. And so at the village, what we do is we have three pillars that we disciple our people in in the Institute. And the Institute at at the Village Church is just our Department of Christian Education, Adult Christian Education, is um, kind of the easiest translation for folks who aren't familiar with the Village Church. And we, the pillars are Christian story, Christian belief, and Christian formation. And so we try to help our people understand is what's the story of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? What's happening? What's the overarching framework? And so anytime that our folks will read scripture or we'll do Bible studies and we go through a book of the Bible every year that they know where that that book fits in God's redemptive story. And so they see it individually, but also see how it fits in the overall plan of redemption that God is working from Genesis to Revelation. Um, then you have Christian belief or just simple uh, ideas about like, who is God? What is sin? What's salvation? Who are we supposed to be as humans? Like what's going to happen um, when Jesus returns? And so these beliefs that are come out of the story of the Bible that then inform how we live. And so spiritual formation in the area of prayer, how do I read my Bible? How do I serve? Uh, what is Sabbath and what does it mean for me to Sabbath in my life? Um What does it mean for me to be a a hospitable person, like radical hospitality, that we are welcoming and inviting people? Um, And then what does it mean for me to be conscious about the habits I have in my daily life, that cultivate a space of formation, living out the truth we see in the story of the Bible? And so those are kind of like the underlying pillars that we have. And so... We have different classes we offer our folks. We have introductory classes. We have more advanced classes because we want our people to have space to grow in their faith. And so it's like, hey, I've got uh, the first level and I, I, I love this information. I want to keep on going. And so we want to provide some space for our folks to stretch out in that area. Um, and then all of our discipleship environments revolve around small groups because we believe people do theology do best when they do theology and community that we can encourage one another, learn from one another. That's a lot of times where our intergenerational um, relationships can be created, that I can meet, meet somebody in a different life season or stage of life than I am, and to be able to form a relationship with them as we learn about our faith. So, um, you know, we we do a couple of other things in our areas too, but those are the main ones for us. Uh, really, what does it mean to help people understand to increase Bible literacy and then as we sit in a, in a good understanding of what our Bible says and we can learn to live it out and learn to lean into some of those more complicated, harder places in ways that really exemplify what we believe as Christians. Is there something on the Village website that can, like, if someone wanted to learn how you all do that, mm-hmm. is there a place where people could, yeah. could see that? Yeah. We'll link you to that. You can just go to thevillagechurch.net oh, cool. uh, and then you click the menu and you... Um, Click on the Institute and it'll give you an in-depth definition um, description of all our different educational spaces and kind of these core ideas of Christian story, Christian belief and Christian information. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes, too, because I'm I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, how can I move to Dallas to take these classes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, we work from anywhere right now, so maybe I could just <laughs> <Yeah>. do that. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm also going to make sure we have a link in the show notes to the you lead webinar that we did that you were on where we focused oh, yeah. on discipleship too yeah. because you talk a little bit more in depth about some of the things that you do there which is really helpful and i know the village church is so generous to help other churches that want mm-hmm. to do this because i know my church has been through some of your classes there and um, like our church leadership and so they they brought home like a a small starter version of the institute and okay. I, we went through that last year well before the pandemic i don't know i don't know what time it <laughs> is like what day it is but uh we did part of it and so i know like it was in the plans to start doing more but we uh you know COVID hit so um but yeah so i think that y'all are just so generous and kind to help other pastors and ministers along in in figuring that stuff out and so um it's definitely something that we want all of our churches to be yeah. uh, robust in discipleship so we're thankful for y'all leading the way in that um, yeah. area okay so this is the question that we always ask <laughs> so we wanted to ask you as well um what is one thing that has marked you in your walk with christ um it would probably be because i was thinking i was like okay, i have to narrow it down to one thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no. that's the hard part it would be uh it was it's a it's a story from my senior year of college and my background's in business and so I um, was looking for a job, like all other seniors. And I emailed a guy that was an alma mater of my college. I went to Wheaton College in Wheaton, Illinois. And he was in accounting. And so he kind of did what I wanted to do. And so I just like, hey, I love accounting. I love Jesus. You know, is there an opportunity for me to kind of learn from you? And so he invites me out to Chicago and out to where he worked. And we just had pizza and talked about Jesus and accounting and college but by the end of that conversation, he offered me a full-time job at his mm-hmm. organization. I didn't fill out an application. <laughs> I didn't have this long interview. And they did. we did some stuff after the conversation I had with him. But by the end, he was like, hey, I want to I wanna bring you here um, to be able to use what God has given you for the benefit of the community. And that was just a really unique situation. Mm-hmm. Like all my other friends were struggling to find jobs and going on tons of interviews. And I just ate some pizza. I talked about my love for the word <laughs> and my love for accounting, you know, and just the experience I had. And so it was at that moment that I realized that that wasn't me. It wasn't mm-hmm. because I was so winsome or I had all this experience. It was because God had made a connection mm-hmm. and he had opened up a door for me. And that just really marked me in terms of like God is intentional in how he moves me in this world for his glory. Mm-hmm. And I exist for his glory because there ain't no other person that did this for me. Um, And that has shaped me and marked me and how I've made decisions to leave accounting and go into ministry of the passion I feel about discipleship is this is what it means for me to be faithful to God's calling on my life. And it was a really strong recognition of that at that moment of just God's faithfulness to open a door literally that he did all on his own. Um, So that has shaped and influences much of how I approach ministry that moment my senior year of college. That's such a great encouragement and for our younger listeners who maybe they're looking for a job or they're kind of at a place in their, and for really maybe any age of a listener who's at a point of what's next or where, mm-hmm. what are you doing in my life, Lord, that God brings the right people at the right time and that he goes before us and, and just 
Yeah, I, I think that's such a great testimony, Elizabeth, of how God was just working in your life and how he kind of directed your path a little bit. Yeah. So that's really good. Definitely. Wow. Yeah, thanks so much, Elizabeth. And I can't believe our time is up because I just feel like we just got started. I know. Uh-huh. I know. But, um, but we really appreciate you and what is happening at your church and and just all the things that you have, you know, just how you're investing in other people. So thanks so much for being on the Mark Podcast. Yes, thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you. All right, listeners. Well, thanks for joining us again this week. And we want you back next week. And um, we will talk to you then. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heineman. Use the hashtag Marked Podcast to connect with us. You can also find Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time. Home should be a place where we feel at peace, where we can be ourselves, where we feel loved. For a lot of us, though, home is a place of heartache, hurt, and loneliness. As believers, Christ promises us an eternal home. But what does that actually look like? And how do we deal with our current homesickness? I recently wrote a Bible study called Come Home for Women, and I'm so excited that Come Home will also be available for teen girls. It's perfect for small groups, helps girls answer important questions, and gives us a richer understanding of what kind of home God's building for us. The release date for Come Home for Teen Girls is August 1st, but you can pre-order it now at lifeway.com slash come home. Don't miss out on this opportunity to help girls belong and be loved. Again, you can pre-order it today at lifeway.com slash come home.